0: Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thank you, Stephen. It's a great privilege to be here and I'm grateful to the committee for their kind invitation to share in the meeting tonight. The speaker on Monday night said that he was told that if he went past his time, the clock would explode. <laughs> if you're near the clock, I suggest you better move. <laughs> I want to read a verse from Philemon. I mentioned it this morning in the Bible reading. It's a little verse in Philemon chapter, there is only one chapter, verse 6, that simply says that the sharing or the communication of your faith may be effective, that the sharing of your faith may be effective. I've been in leadership in the work of the faith mission in Ireland for the past 10 years. And if there's uh, one one thing that challenges us these days, it's this, that the sharing of our faith may be effective, to effectively communicate the gospel of the Lord Jesus to people. We have 10 workers in the south of Ireland, two of them in County Cork, two in the Irish Midlands, two in County Cavan. We had two men in Monaghan, and they're now moving up to Donegal. We have also two uh, leaders in the mission in the the south of ireland as well and uh, these workers are endeavoring by all means to reach people with the gospel mervyn and rachel tom young couple two young children are in charge of the faith mission center in county cork an old farm building that the faith mission acquired some 10 15 years ago it's now a beautiful conference center don't be jealous billy We trust that they'll get a beautiful new place to reach these people in Dublin. This conference, that old farm buildings have been transformed into a lovely conference centre. CEF use that centre several weeks throughout the summer. We use it for several weeks. It's packed full every summer with young people, majority from a very different background from ours, coming to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Mervyn goes out throughout the winter months, he spends his time in the markets with the literature, distributing literature, selling Bibles, and he has several children's tubs as well that he teaches every week, reaching two to three hundred children probably every week. Move up to the Irish Midlands, couple there, Ian and Hazel Gilkinson, uh, tremendous burden again for children and young people. There's a housing estate in the little town of Abbey Leaks. it's tough. It's just perhaps a scaled-down version of what Billy was talking about there in Dublin. Youngsters, youngsters under the influence of drugs and alcohol coming to the clubs. What does Ian and Hazel do? They make them chips on a Saturday night. They bring them into the club. They set them down. They bring the Word of God to them. And the gospel is having an effect upon those young lives. And some of those young people have been converted and have been turned to the Lord Jesus moving up very quickly, just picking up a little bits here and there, moving up the country a little bit to Gavin Monahan. man was contacted in uh, door-to-door visitation for a special meeting away over in County Calvin one evening, and uh, when one of our workers spoke to him and said, would you like to come to the mission hall? There's a special meeting on. And uh, he said, I- I'm not really into that sort of thing. He was from an English background, uh, Roman Catholic, uh, English background. He said, I'm not into that kind of thing at all. But When the conversation developed, we discovered that this fellow was walking along one day and suddenly his leg just snapped under him. His leg just broke. He was rushed to hospital and, uh, of course, he had uh, serious cancer. He was operated on. The cancer was removed. His leg was fixed up. He came to the meeting that evening uh, under a little bit of duress. He didn't really want to be there. He'd never been to a gospel meeting before. Never heard the gospel before. He came to the meeting, and one of our men looked over at him, and he said, "Uh, how are you? And he looked at his watch, and he said, I'm all right now. The football's over. He said, I can relax. I can enjoy the meeting. And now he came in on a couple of sticks or a crutch. Will you believe it? When the man got up to preach, he said, my text tonight is the lame man. I'm going to preach on the lame man. This fellow sat riveted, listening to the word of God. Coincidence? Absolutely not. Providential appointment, God touching that young man. I could go on talking about many other individuals that we've made contact with in recent days. I was at a meeting in uh, County Antrim. I'm careful about when I, I, I don't want to identify this particular family. I went to a meeting one evening, and a gentleman who was there said to me, There's a lady here tonight, she's been attending, are you listening? Not the gospel meeting. Not a a, a Bible study, but she's been attending the prayer meeting. You see, she had gone to Mass. She had been rebuked from the pulpit for being late. (laughs) That's one way of getting rid of people. Rebuke them from the pulpit. This girl was rebuked because she was always late. A Christian girl befriended her. And she didn't invite her to a gospel meeting. She invited her to the prayer meeting. She attended the prayer meeting. And the wise leader, hey folks, isn't it great when you have people who are wise? He gently talked about what we believe. Eh? That's the way you do it. Told, uh, explained what we believe as Christians. And this young woman was drinking in the word of God. As I say, I was at that meeting that evening and this man said to me, he said, I think she's ready to come to Christ. I was introduced, We got engaged in conversation, sat down beside her. Her daughter was beside her i thought her daughter was probably 12 or 14 how wrong we can be she was a university student sat down beside her and after five ten minutes talking it was a tremendous privilege to lead that woman to christ but what i didn't know was that this little girl as i thought who was sitting beside her came to christ the same night wonderfully converted number of months later at a barbecue her husband was converted. A number of months later, some of you will remember about a girl that was hit by a double-decker bus on the Falls Road. It was a tragedy. This other girl in this family, to whom I refer, was at the funeral of that girl who was knocked down by the double-decker bus on the Falls Road. She was sitting there watching all that was going on and all of the grief that surrounded it, and there was no hope she came home distraught, utterly distressed. And the little girl, whom I thought was 12 years of age, put her arm around her younger sister. And that night, she led her to Christ. Four in one family came to Christ in the space of about eight months. What are we about in the faith mission these days? Reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, the founder of the faith mission said this. He said, if the faith mission ceases to be a soul-saving agency, we don't deserve to exist. And I want to tell you tonight, I believe that. As workers in the faith mission, we believe that. If we cease to be a soul-saving agency, we don't deserve to exist. What's our vision statement? To reach the lost of all age groups. Do you believe people are lost? You know, and in, increasingly we're finding in evangelical circles these days that, ah well, We're not sure if they're really converted, but but I don't think they're lost. Folks, if they're not converted, if they're not saved, they're lost. They're lost to reach the lost of all age groups. How? Through passionate evangelism. Through passionate evangelism. Now, I mentioned in this passage of Scripture that it's the sharing of our faith. We're burdened that we might be effective. We have one of our superintendents, one of our men in the Faith Mission, and uh, he trained as a motor mechanic and later taught motor engineering. Always had an interest in vintage tractors and machinery. It was his hobby for many years. He just, just a thing he did. And then, a year or two ago, he suddenly discovered God had put a, a wonderful tool into his hands. He put an 80 slide. Presentation of the life of Harry Ferguson together. And he discovered it. It was a wonderful, wonderful tool to reach men. We've had a, lot of, a lot about the ladies. But this is to reach men. These men, the majority of them, are seldom in a church. These men have no concept of Christian things. And all over the country, George Kahn is going. With the Harry Ferguson, the life of Harry Ferguson, the presentation of his life, bringing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Literally hundreds, if not thousands of men have been touched with the word of God in the last year or two. People who otherwise you would not be able to touch through a traditional uh, gospel mission, uh, evangelistic outreach effort. These people wouldn't be there, but they come because of this. My wife... Torments me because she sews and I'm so glad that we've now got a sewing room I don't have to sit on needles or I don't have to go out with threads all over my jacket uh, when I'm going out to a meeting a couple of years ago what started as a hobby for my wife she suddenly discovered she's got a thoroughly effective tool for reaching people And over the past 15, 18 months, she's spoken at 100 ladies' events with dozens, dozens of unconverted ladies listening intently to the word of God. That the communication of your faith may be effective. Whether it's a visual aid using a patchwork quilt, or whether it's a slide presentation of the life of Harry Ferguson, whether it's a Fanny Crosby night, and people love to come to Fanny Crosby nights, Or whether it's a traditional tent mission, gospel mission, whatever. What's the faith mission about? Reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. A recent tent mission. I see some folk from the area where we conducted. I see them in the meeting tonight. Mind you, these lights are blinding me. But it was a tremendous privilege to sit there one night, back in the month of June, beside a man, retired police officer. I said to him, well, what about it? Oh, said, I've made my peace with God. Last Thursday night at the end of the meeting, I came to Christ. He said, I shouldn't be here. He said, I was bombed twice, I was ambushed three times, and I'm here tonight, and God has saved me by his grace. That's what the faith mission is about these days, and we thank God for the privilege of serving him. Now, this clock will explode if I don't get to the passage of Scripture. I want you to look at uh, Luke 9 with me for just a moment. If you have a Bible and you want to turn to Luke's Gospel in chapter 9, I want to read two or three verses as I try to bring this meeting to a close. Luke's Gospel in chapter 9. If I had time tonight, I would go on and tell you a lot more about our children's camps. 30 weeks of camp this summer. With over a thousand young people attending the camps, Bill has talked about the camps. What a tremendous ministry camps are! Last Thursday night, Wednesday night of last week, a number of our leaders we were sitting in the kitchen as you do at camp at night, and uh, down the corridor came one of our uh, young leaders. Her face was shiny, absolutely shiny. She's a theology student at Queen's. She came in through the door, and she said, oh, she said, you should have heard the questions they were asking tonight in quiet time. And here was a young 19-year-old sitting with a group of uh, eight or a dozen youngsters explaining the way of salvation, wrestling with some of the problems that these children come up against at school and bringing the word of God to them. You look, there's nothing more more precious in all the world than communicating the gospel Of Christ with young people. Let me read Luke 9. A few verses just as we try to wind the meeting up tonight. For the Son of Man, sorry verse 56 of Luke 9, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives but to save them and they went to another village. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first. Again, we have me first. Me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let me bring this meeting to a close tonight with a brief challenge from this passage of Scripture. Here we have three would be disciples, here we have three would be missionaries. Here we have three would-be people that would work in Dublin Christian Mission or go up the Shankill Road or go to the rural communities of Great Britain and Ireland. And wouldn't any pastor, wouldn't any mission leader love to have a young man? Wouldn't any pastor love to have a youth leader like this? Kind of fellow that has this kind of attitude. Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Wouldn't it be great to have a crowd of young people like that? Don't you think? Lord I'll follow you wherever you go. Now I want you to notice what happened when Jesus spoke to this man, this young man. You know he's the kind of guy that when there's an appeal given at a missionary meeting like this for young people to offer for Christian service and to serve God, he's catapulted to the front, he's on his knees and he's saying Lord I'll go wherever wherever you want me to go. Now Jesus speaks to him and he says, uh, Oh, by the way, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And this young fellow, whom we thought we would be delighted to have, can't be seen for dust. He's gone. He disappears. What was so offensive about what Jesus said to him? All Jesus did was say, look, I'm homeless. Foxes have somewhere to put their head, the birds of the air of the nests, the Son of Man... Has nowhere to lay his head. What was so offensive? What was so challenging to this young man? Understand the background. This young man was a scribe. And the scribes were known for their fine clothing. They were known for the way they dressed. Bring it into this generation. To young people tonight. I'll tell you the kind of guy this was. He was the fellow that turned up in the designer label. He wouldn't be out. He wouldn't be... At a meeting like this, he wouldn't go down the street unless the image was right. That's the kind of fellow this was. And when Jesus challenged him about missionary service, when Jesus challenged him about homelessness, when Jesus challenged him and said, look, if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you something. And he disappears. He's gone in a flash. Folks, it costs... To serve God. Billy Swan hasn't been. Dealing with those folk. In the Dublin Christian Mission. For 20 years plus. Without knowing something of the sacrifices. That's involved in serving God. And if we're the kind of people tonight. That are more concerned about image. And are more concerned about designer labels. And are more concerned about having the latest gear. Or as. Bishop Clark said this morning, we're more concerned about how many inches our TV screen is. Is it better than so-and-so's? If that's our concern, we have no concept of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Loving God, loving others. If we really love God, then those things take on a different perspective altogether. Look, that's the first one. By the way, we give these three fellows names. The first one, we call him the reckless adventurer. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you're going. The thought of homelessness, the thought of cost, the thought of having to sleep rough, the thought of having to forego something. And he's gone. I want you to move on to the next one. Verse 59. Then he said to another. Now, this one's slightly different. Jesus actually calls the second uh, disciple. He said to him, follow me. I want you to notice how he responds. He said, Let me first. Huh? Me first. Is there something wrong with that? If you haven't noticed the contradiction in the sentence, you should. You don't say, Lord, and me first. It's a contradiction. Lord, me first, he says. What does he ask? Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Well, that's a very sad situation, isn't it? He just wants time to go home and attend to his father's funeral. I wonder why Jesus didn't put his arm around him and console him and offer him a word of comfort and pray for him in his time of bereavement well the answer is very simple his father wasn't dead well what, what did he mean then let me first go and bury my father well the explanation is, is actually very simple this fellow wasn't actually going to uh, make the funeral arrangements for his father and see his, uh, uh, that his father had a decent burial this fellow was wanting his call to fit in with his plans, his following of Jesus to fit in with his plans. Basically what I was saying was this, Lord, it isn't really convenient for me to go and follow you at the moment. You see, Lord, my father has got a good farm or my father's got a good business. And Lord, if I go away now and leave home and pack up and go away, my father disinherit me and it'll cost me an awful lot of money. Lord, let me first go and bury my father. The bottom line is he had his eye on his father's estate. And whether we like it or not, in the particular culture in which this young man would have lived, being the eldest son, as he probably was, he would have stood to inherit all of the estate. That's how it was. If there were four sons, the uh, eldest son would have automatically inherited. We may disagree with it, but that's how it was. And when Jesus said to this young man, let the dead bury the dead, what was he saying? He was saying, let the other members of the family who in actual fact were dead as far as the father's estate was concerned, they had no rights to it, that is unless he bypassed it, let the dead bury the dead. He was saying, young man. Never mind about your personal priorities and your possessions. Never mind about what your your views and your your plans are, the the things that you've laid up for yourself in the future. Let the dead bury their dead. Let those other lads fall in for the inheritance. Let the other members of the family see to all of that. And then comes the punch. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. So I was driving down from Lusburn to Bangor here tonight, driving down the West Link, I found myself praying Oh God In Bangor Worldwide Missionary Convention tonight Would you take this verse of scripture And would you drive it home into somebody's heart Would you say to somebody In this convention tonight Never mind that career Never mind that, those wonderful possibilities That are for you Lord would you say to somebody tonight Never mind those things But you go and preach the kingdom of God we've become increasingly materialistic. And our young people, our young marriage, are increasingly, increasingly becoming, having tunnel vision and cannot see the lost out there. Tell me, is God speaking to someone here tonight? God saying to you, never mind you those things. Those things will all pass away. Who was it said, was it at the meeting the other night? I think it was KP speaking on Monday night. He said, just transport yourself a 100 years into the future and take a wee look back and say, what was that all about? What was that all about? You go and preach the kingdom of God. Now, there's the first one. The reckless adventurer. The second one is the reluctant recruit. And I finish with this last one and uh, verse 61 another also said here's another volunteer these are great volunteers aren't they eh? lord i will follow you but let me Uh oh me first lord let me first personal illustration just before i go into this last point and wind up before my wife and I came back to leadership of Fifth Mission here in Ireland we were across in England doing a similar thing we lived in Leicester and uh, during the early 90s we opened up Fifth Mission work in Derbyshire I went to preach in a little village church right up in the Derbyshire deals and God wonderfully opened that area up to us I met a family one night and uh, there were four teenagers in the family, none of them converted. My heart went out to these four teenagers. I said, Lord, will you somehow or other give us a way of reaching those four teenagers for Christ? I felt we should develop a little youth work. It meant an hour and a half's driving on a Friday night. If any of you have ever driven on the M1 from Leicester up north, going out through into Derbyshire, you'll know how torturous it can be. We started this little youth work it went very well for a time and like everything else it's easier starting a thing than maintaining it and i can remember so well one particular friday night in the month of february we had four children at home and there was a family event on and i would love to have been at home with my four children i got into the car i set off up the m1 out of leicester going up toward Uh, Matlock up through that way to be with this 10 or a dozen young people and the devil said you're a mug 10 or a dozen young people and your family are back home on their own and I felt the sacrifice that night I felt it as I'd never felt it before that was on a Friday night Monday morning the father at home phoned. He said, It's David here. And then all I could hear was the sobbing. And he mentioned the lad's name. And I thought the lad had been killed in an accident on the farm. And the sobbing went on for a while. And after a little bit, he managed to contain himself and he was able to tell me. He said, My youngest son came into the milking parlour this morning to tell me he got saved last night. Number one, three to go. That was February, the month of June. We had a barbecue one night on that farm. Do you know what it's like when a barbecue is a washout? Well, I mean a washout in every sense of the word. We were on a farm. The slurry ran down the farmyard into the bouncy castle. It was a disaster. But that night, the eldest son trusted Christ. A few months later, I was having another mission not far away. The twin of the youngest, the other member of the other side of the twin, the lovely girl, She trusted Christ. The following Sunday I was preaching in another place and the last member of the family was there. His name's Tim. There he was, sitting in the service. And God got a hold of him. Did you ever, you preachers, did you ever watch in a congregation when somebody gets lower and lower and lower and they try to hide behind somebody else? Well, that's what Tim was doing. And Tim was converted that afternoon. All four of them. Three of those four children have been through the Faith Mission Bible College and two of them are full-time workers in the Faith Mission today. Let me first. Me first. If that night as I was heading to Derbyshire in the traffic jams and the family were back home if I had succumbed Well I don't know in the providence of God how God would have worked it out but humanly speaking that family would not have been one for Christ and we would have two less workers in the faith mission today. Lord let me first. Listen as I finish. Here it is. This guy says Lord let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. Wouldn't you think that this was you know this young fellow was saying I'm going home for a, a... we believe in farewell services, don't we? Do we? Would we like to get the missionaries together and give them a good farewell? After all, this, that's all this fellow was asking for. I have to go and have a farewell. Well, actually, if we understand the background to this, this guy wasn't going home to have a farewell. Do you know what he was doing? Again, family-based culture, understand the background. He was go home, going home to ask his dad's permission to follow Jesus. That's exactly what he was doing. And the young boy was as crafty as could be because he knew what his dad would say. <laughs> us fathers, we know our children, don't we? We know the way they smile. We know the body language when they want money or they want something from us. Eh? And I can just imagine this young fellow going to his dad, Dad, uh, you know the body language. Eh? I'm going to leave home. Oh, yeah. Who's going to pay your wages? How are you going to buy your food? What are you going to do? Well, actually, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. Who's he? Well, he's a sort of religious, political guru because that's how Christ would have been looked on. Religious, political guru. Oh, yeah. What about the money? Well, actually, Dad, I did hear him say that he had nowhere to lay his head and the father blows up. A political, religious guru, and he's penniless, and you want to be his follower. Of course not. And the young fellow is chuckling. He goes back to the Lord Jesus and he says, Lord, I'm sorry I can't go. My dad won't let me. And he does what so, so many young people and older people do today. They find an excuse that they think is a reason for not following Christ. Tell me tonight, are you hiding behind an excuse? You couldn't do it because of such and such. Or you couldn't be involved... And really, it's not, it's not a valid reason, it's an excuse. You go, Jesus says, and preach the kingdom of God. I must just finish. Jesus says to him, no one having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Do you ever see somebody trying to plough? Two shafts, ox drawn, yoke of oxen. Maybe it was only one shaft. But either way, it was a difficult job. It required concentration. And when Jesus said no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back looking all over the place can plow a straight furrow. is fit for the kingdom of God. Discipleship missionary service requires sacrifice. It requires discipleship. It requires single-mindedness. Here's the, the challenge tonight as I finish. You go and preach Aye, and preach the kingdom of God, proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus. May God bless his word. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.